Welcome to Supercast, MCCC GP Training's podcast dedicated to our GP supervisors. Brought to you by MCCC Supervisor Professional Development Team. Welcome to this special episode of Supercast. My name is Paul Grinzi and I'm one of the medical educators as part of MCCC's Supervisor Support Team. And it's my pleasure to bring you this episode, which showcases three interviews uh, with the theme of transition. We've got two supervisors that have recently transitioned into the role of being a supervisor. So we'll hear from their experiences, what surprised them, what resources they're using, and how they're navigating the early stages of being a supervisor in our training program. And we've also got another interview with Lucy, who transitioning from being a non-GP registrar to being a GP registrar in general practice. And so hearing from her experiences, particularly what it's been like with that personally, but also um, how she's experiencing uh, being supervised and how the training program differs from her experiences, say, in hospital, her hospital experience itself. So very much looking forward to that. There'll be a little bit of MCCC administrative um, updates as well in this episode. Um, but let's start off with hearing from Jade, one of our new supervisors. Okay, let's start off with uh, just hearing about a supervisor's experience um, with really beginning that supervisor part of the, your career. Jade, I, I first met you when you were a registrar with us, um, and I've seen you um, become uh, both an advocate within MCCC and, and some leadership roles, as well as um, get to fellowship and now beyond. What, what's, what's that journey been like looking back now, you know, going from when you first started um, as a GP registrar through to where you are now? Yeah. Um, it feels like it's gone really quickly, um, but, you know, it's probably been, oh, I don't know, kind of oh, five or six years now since I was a GPT-1. Um, and, yeah, I think I just remember starting out in general practice and feeling very overwhelmed by it all, um, but being very thankful that we had um, all those fantastic workshops through MCCC and the fantastic medical educators um, to kind of um, – guide us through those um, first few months of, um, you know, working in general practice and how do you navigate through all of the um, the demands, both, you know, from a medical knowledge point of view, but also from um, a just a keeping yourself well and also trying to set yourself up for studying for exams. So it, um, I just remember how valuable that was. Um, and then, of course, you know, you go through your different GP training um, terms and you learn from fantastic supervisors along the way um, and learn that there's more than one way to do things um yeah before you know it you're sitting exams and then before you know it you're fellowed and um then you're sitting in general practice and um kind of um in a position where you start to think well um what else can you know add to my um I guess enjoyment or satisfaction um from uh, working in general practice um and for me you know I always liked being involved um in teaching of some description you know I did it during even medical school um to you know junior um more junior levels and during internship and residency years you know trying to be involved in medical education um so I guess it was probably just a natural flow on for me having so had so much to do with um MCCC um in a, as an RLO and senior RLO uh and board director um you know it it just made sense to me that I would um, keep my link with uh, MCCC um, via being supervisor, um, and it's been going well so far. Um, I've, we've, I actually began doing informal teaching um, at my clinic before I um, became a formal supervisor, um, and I really enjoyed that. So that was just kind of one, uh, you know, half hour or an hour um, per week. Um, just to spend with the registrars that we had in our clinic as a group learning situation. Um, and, yep. um, and yeah, from then, 
yeah, enrolled as a as a supervisor. Now, for me, it's a long time ago, but for you, as you said, five or six years ago, that transition from going into GPT-1, um, that, I mean, that's a huge change for registrars. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask two questions on that theme. One is, are there things that you learned about that transition for, your, transition for yourself that apply to this transition now? And the other thing is, are there things that as a, a new supervisor, you could probably offer as tips for, for supervisors who have got GPD-1s about things that you recall that may be helpful for other supervisors to hear. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the common link between um, becoming a GP registrar um, and becoming a supervisor is obviously the MCCC um, training as to how to do those roles. You know, I think stepping into it as a new supervisor, you know, we had um, two um, half-day workshops um, that really set up um, ran by um, Jenny Vibert and Kate Davey, um, who, you know, are fantastic educators. Um, and they just really set it up to, you know, how do you go about learning about being a supervisor and how um, do you, you know, juggle all of those demands and, and how do you put it all together? And they just made it so straightforward and easy to um, to follow from what I um, took from those sessions. Um, and, you know, MCCC have so many resources there um, through Mel and all that online learning content. Um, so really it's it's all just served up to you on a plate. Um, you just have to know where to access it, but it really is all there. So, um, yeah, so I guess in terms of what um, helped me through as a GPT-1, um, really, again, it was MCCC's resources um, that we were really going as a, as a learning platform through, as well as the practical skills, obviously, of, you know, uh, of having workshops um, running at the same time. Um, yeah. yeah, so, but I think the second part of the question was like um, tips for um, new supervisors or supervisors of GPT-1s. Um, and I think the, the most um, valuable thing is, is just being um, present or being available um, and to, to make registrars feel welcome to, um, you know, approach you with questions um, at any time. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, you know, triage process that goes on in terms of getting through the day without too many delays. But ultimately, you don't want, I think them just having that safety or that security to know that you're there for them um, when, you know, acute situations that are a bit more hairy to deal with, um, that they're not alone. And also knowing that, they're not going to be judged or um, criticised um, for a, maybe a knowledge gap um, because none of us know everything and we're so different in terms of what we've done before we've come into general practice. Um, and so some people can have very, you know, a number of years as an ENT registrar or, you know, a, as a BPT trainee um, and, and but their knowledge of paediatrics or something else is, is quite limited. So, um, yeah, I, I think just the... Um, keeping in mind that none of us know everything and even if it seems like a very obvious question to you, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a, um, you know, negligent or terrible doctor. It just means that maybe they haven't crossed that um, before, that particular scenario before. And the other thing I think it's worth bringing up is not just the knowledge gap, um, but also so I suppose a cultural gap between the hospital-based culture and hierarchy and systems yeah. there um, and teamwork that you often get in a yeah. hospital. And the the huge difference between working pretty much by yourself in a room, but a much more flattened hierarchy we've got in general practice, yeah. and uh, you know 
transitioning uh, yeah, and learn, learning all about that. Yeah, and I try to um, encourage people, you know, to or registrars to um, learn from all different areas of our clinic, like, you know, through practice nurses or, um, you know, pharmacists that we might have working with us or um, dietitians, etc. Um, and also reminding them that they're allowed to call, sub, you know, the subspecialty subspecialists because um, I remember as a registrar I don't I'd ask supervisors questions on something and they often their response back to me would be like oh maybe you know give you know so-and-so rheumatologist a call or give you know ortho a call about that blah 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 and I remember thinking at the time oh that's so frustrating I just want to know the answer but now being fellowed you know that's what I do all the time um, because it's useful for your own learning um, it's, you know, and they're very generally quite approachable, unlike the hospital system where you're quite daunted by, um, by consultants. You know, in, in, in general practice, um, they're often really um, quite happy to speak to you, particularly if they're private and, you know, you might be sending business their way. Um, but overall, even if you're not sending business their way overwhelmingly, um, that kind of team environment I still think exists, even though, you know, when you're isolated in that one room for most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about um, the the imposter syndrome, I suppose, I've felt when I've been supervising and especially early on thinking really, you know, I'm just sort of recently fellowed and, and uh, you know, <laughs> me, yeah. I've got a good grief. They're the ones that have all the yes. knowledge. Um, but realise that there are, you know, I'm assuming that some of that scaffolding in terms of resources and tools that are available um, and I'm sure you, you're developing a little repertoire of things that you probably turn to um, certainly will help a bit like as a registrar you had a system and a process and workshops and a structure to help your yeah. learning as a supervisor are there resources or any particular tools that you you're using uh, well uh, mainly obviously as it, it does vary on what kind of registrar you have um, and you know their background and where you would like to um, to focus some of your your teaching on Primarily, it's based you know, MCCC um, will have supervisor tools or do have supervisor tools um, that marry up basically with what they're being they're working through in a, in a modular sense through MCCC, um, and so that's really great. And I think you know certainly um, from you know how I always envisaged you know MCCC's education would go would be that you know we're really kind of working together with MCCC's medical educators and supervisor educators in clinic and, and kind of marrying up that you're covering topics um, at the same time so that you're learning probably the core content um, through some modules and um, information shared or webinars through you know with MCCC medical educators but the applic application of that knowledge is really um, with the supervisors and um, so that's what um, I guess where well, that I do with my GPT-1 um, is that you know I log into Mel and for each week you can see what they're doing or what they're those topics that they're covering with MCCC and there will be supervisor tools there um, to kind of supplement that knowledge knowledge or you know apply that knowledge to clinical practice or clinical scenarios um, so that's the the I guess the main focus um, but also I guess I've kind of thought about the things that maybe are not done fantastic or not, not very much is done in medical school or as an internal resident so for example ENT you know we do so much of it or well, pre-COVID we do so much of it um, in general practice but we, you know you don't really get those rotations as a um, as a JMO so um, 
that was an area of my knowledge that I um, knew I had to work on quite a bit when I started in general practice. So for me, then I, you know, was working through the Royal Iron Ear Hospital. They've got so many great resources for GPs um, and a number of webinars there on lots of different um, topics that are really useful. So um, I kind of, you know, draw on those um, and present those topics uh, and work through those topics. Um, of course, if you have a registrar that I had um, who'd actually done about five years of ENT registrarring, you probably didn't okay. need to cover so much of those things. Um, you can turn, turn the tables. You can, yeah, turn, can teach yeah, you. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, so, you know, if, so for him, um, we were looking more at kind of women's health um, and things and, you know, just going through, I guess, yeah, you, you're right, like resources that you pick up over the time, Jean Hale's um, module, uh, you know, teaching tools, um, and there's so many, but yeah, I guess I just kind of yeah. worked, worked back from what I think, you know, what I remember of some knowledge gaps going into general practice. Yeah. 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 And with the, the MCCC ones that are on Mel that you yeah. mentioned, uh, do you use them sort of verbatim, like, uh, like a worksheet yes. or are they more, uh, an inspiration of an idea to talk about in your, um, in your formal Probably teaching? a little bit of both. It is a worksheet primarily. So it's a worksheet with a clinical question, uh, you know, scenario, and then some questions to, um, to work through from that. Um, I guess the, the other major teaching tool, I guess, is the GPSA um, worksheets as well, because that kind of works similar. Yeah. Um, and they've got so many topics ranging not from just like clinical or, or knowledge based stuff, but medical legally, you know, Medicare questions, work cover questions. So um, so I think um, they're kind of similar to what MCCC um, do. Uh, but yeah, it can definitely, and I think it was designed to be a, um, a platform to build a more broader sense of a topic around. Um, but at the same time, I think the supervisor tools, um, a lot of the time the registrars have actually done their own module to do with that already. Mm -hmm. So there should be a lot of ground knowledge already. It's really just about application. So, you know, often what we'd do, we'd be working through the, the registrar's done their core knowledge module. Then we're working through this kind of worksheet of clinical scenarios. And within that worksheet, you know, you could say, uh, and what if X, you know, part of the story was different? You know, what if they were 55 instead of 25 or exit, um, things like that? And you can broaden your, um, I guess, clinical reasoning in that respect. Um, and you can, you know, start to look at uh, a, a more broader holistic approach to, okay, what other, you know, preventative health elements would be um, useful in this case? So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I'm going to ask you one last sure. question. Um, with, with your um, short but rich supervising career so far, what surprised you most? What, 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 something that surprised oh, you? Goodness me. Um, I don't know. Not too many things. I think just, um, oh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> things that you don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, the, you get a lot of questions. You're like, oh, I don't actually know. I've never really thought of it like that or um, things. So it just probably just shows you, you, you're always learning, um, which is probably not a massive surprise, but um, <laughs> refreshing nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it still gets you. You still, you still. It's interesting because um, yeah, the register will bring a different perspective to a clinical thing that you wouldn't Absolutely. have considered, and they're considering anything. Oh, I've never yeah, thought about that aspect exactly. before. Either. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's probably just more that yeah, there's always um, bits and pieces that you're not sure <laughs> you're sure about, and there's always things to follow up and learn on, learn about. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Jade Manning, thanks for being supercasted. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure, Paul. Thank you. <laughs>
Now, before we get on to our next interview, uh, a couple of little updates just to um, make sure you're up to speed. So we've heard some practices are still accessing an old training handbook. Um, so please make sure you're up to date with things and uh, go to the MCCC website and be able to get the up-to-date training manual or the handbook. So um, the supervisor handbook is what I'm referring to there, um, just to make sure you're up to date with the policies and uh, also some of the resources that have been updated since older versions. So uh, a little tip for you there. The other thing is we've had a few questions about whether there's a minimum number of patients that registrars have to see per week. Um, now, there is certainly in terms of hours of consulting and of being available and admin time and, and teaching time, but there is no minimum amount of patients per week. So if there is a slow week, um, the registrars and yourself shouldn't have to fret, um, obviously trying to uh, maximise the opportunity um, of what's available at that stage. Um, but there's certainly no minimum um, requirement uh, as part of the training process itself. And one more little update here. Um, some practices have also had uh, some difficulties or the registrars have reported some difficulties where they've had a full day workshop uh, booked in and they've been attending their workshop and then been rostered on for an evening session or extra hours on the same day. Um, and so just we'd like you just to reflect on uh, the fairness of that, whether it's equitable, uh, other um, GPs in your practice are doing similar things and just remembering that even though they haven't been seeing patients for that day, they have been working in their workshops for that day or day or the half day, depending on the circumstances of those workshops. I've got a bit more housekeeping um, after this interview, but let's uh, hear from Lucy, who's one of our registrars who's just started general practice. Okay, so next up, we're, um, we're going to hear from Lucy, who's a GP registrar who's very early on in her GP career, who has um, very kindly spent some, uh, given us some time to, to just explore and contrast, I suppose, the new supervisor experience versus the, the new registrar experience. So welcome, Lucy, to Supercast. Thanks very much for having me. Great. And Nicolette, can I get a little bit of background just for our listeners, just to hear um, basically where you've come from in terms of your training and, and uh, you know, leading into your now general practice term? Certainly. So before studying medicine, I completed a degree in physiotherapy and worked as a physiotherapist while I was at medical school. And prior to this year, I was working as a medical registrar at a, a busy inner metropolitan tertiary hospital. And now I'm working at what feels like an equally busy, but now at a metro bulk billing GP clinic. Okay, it's so a big context difference, but still, still busy. Still busy. That's right. Um, and ha- how's that gone? How's that changed from one? I mean, tertiary centres are very, you know, I wouldn't say worlds apart because we're all part of that same ecosystem, but but very much different in terms of style and and um, resourcing. And yeah, lots of things are very different. Um, how have you gone for that transition from, you know, working as, as a busy a registrar as part of a busy medical team, big, you know, complex cases to different type of complexity and often working by yourself within the general practice team, but working, you know, in a room by yourself with a patient. That's a big change. How, how have you gone about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting that you mentioned resources. And I think that's one thing that's been a very stark difference between the hospital where I was working at. Even things like PPE, we're still very much you know, in this post-COVID era where um, we're trying to screen patients and swab patients and the clinic where I work at, it's not on demand in the same way it was in the hospital. So I think that was one thing I noticed really early on. And certainly in terms of resources, it's a bulk billing clinic and the um, things are very different compared to how it was in a tertiary hospital. Uh, Certainly in general, I think, it's been um, nice and reassuring to know that this um, 
step in a different direction in terms of career is what I want to do in terms of the nature of general practice, being able to intervene early, thinking about preventative health. All these things have um, been really exciting to be able to implement with patients. And equally, I think compared to the hospital, the intensity is very different. So that was something that took me some getting used to in the first couple of weeks that not everything needs to be done now. You have time, your patient can come back and you can choose a few things to do in each consultation. And that's the, I think that was a big gear shift compared to working in a hospital where every day is a deadline and, and trying to meet you know, various teams' expectations and various deadlines in terms of moving patients through an admission. It's completely different in general practice as far as I've experienced. Certainly the... Um, variety of presentations and patients that I've seen moving from seeing mainly older adults into the whole lifespan and also learning that as a female GP through no particular expertise or of my own I see mainly young women I've seen a lot of um, gynecological issues a lot of obstetric issues and being an area that I've never worked in before as a doctor for it to be the mainstay of my um, presentations that I'm seeing has been very interesting and a steep learning curve, but I've really enjoyed it. Hopefully not um, a baptism by fire. No, not at all. <laughs> I think, though, in general, in terms of similarities between the two, um, there there is always help at hand. And that's yep. been, I feel like both my supervisors have been extremely um, available and supportive, and that has been a similarity between the hospital. Yeah. So looking at the supervisor side of things, how would you contrast your experience of te- or being taught and being supported in the hospital environment, which has got very much a team and a hierarchical sort of thing, and you know it, it's it's different. Uh, you'll be you'll be it's all more vertical. You've got teaching from above, but you're also teaching you know um, you know residents and students you know sort of below, if I can use those terms. Whereas it's a bit more flattened in general practice, but you still got your supervisor as, as a primary source of support and education within your practice. Have you, have you, you know, how's that transition gone for you and what, are there any particular insights that we could take away from your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd describe it in two words, from the hospital being formal teaching to GP being informal teaching. Looking back on, you know, the previous few years in the hospital, teaching seems to be a lot centred around things like grand rounds, seminars, formalised teaching for various units, journal club, whereas my experience in GP is things have been much more opportunistic, ad hoc, although I have my um, dedicated one-hour, one-on-one time with the supervisor, teaching has been much more, you know, knocking on each other's door um, to observe interesting cases or, or view procedures. And I think that was certainly a transition from someone that likes to have their their schedule for the day mapped out, being able to be more flexible and just um, trying to make the most of these learning opportunities as they present themselves has been a transition, but certainly there's been um, lots, lots of lots of learning to be had yeah. along the way. Absolutely. So it's interesting, the formal part of general practice training is still more informal than a lot of what you've experienced previously. That's right. I suppose the formal, um, I, I suppose I speak to what I've experienced within the clinic. The formal 
teaching that's been alongside the uh, my time in the clinic has also, I think I'd describe it as more informal in that it's more personal and sort of case-driven rather than um, didactic teaching. And it's been wonderful to be able to um, meet as a group in our first face-to-face um, teaching session last week. That was really fantastic to see everyone as real human beings rather than two-dimensional uh, you know, images on a screen. Well, in this case, just voices in on a podcast, so it's even more distant. But um, so yeah, take, I look at the irony of um, you know, sharing our experiences face to face via an audio format. But anyway, that's that's the medium we're working with uh, with this supercast. So looking at the supervising side of things and 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 supervisor's role of of providing some education, there are certain tools or resources that they may be utilising from their end. Are there any particular styles or tools or resources that you've got um, that you you think are worth reinforcing or or sharing with our listeners? Certainly. I think uh, resources that I've uh, always liked to use a lot of that has been solid gold in general practice and my supervisor um, really recommended using it often as well has been therapeutic guidelines, ETGs being indispensable. I think and is that available at your practice, I'm assuming? Yes. Yes. My supervisor very kindly pays for it for all the stuff, which is um, very kind of him. Other resources that I've purchased myself have been the Pregnancy and Breastfeeding Medicines Guide available through the Royal Women's. I found that I use it every day. It's very helpful and I think it's great to often there's a lot of um uh reluctance um by women who are pregnant to to use medication so to be able to bring it up and, and um reinforce that um different medications are safe is very reassuring for, for both of us i think in terms of other resources um i've purchased um, Australian Medicines Handbook, AMH, which I used to use a lot in the hospital. I find I'm using it less in general practice, I think because of NIMS built into um, the practice software, but still a good resource, uh, I think. But certainly ETG and the um, Pregnancy um, and Breastfeeding Medicines Guide have been indispensable. And uh, have there been any particular formats of, of your the, the supervising teaching uh, that have uh, resonated more so with you? Is uh, you mentioned case based stuff? Um, have been uh, has it all been case based, or is it been more been uh, topic driven or, or, or other formats more formally structured? I found case based the most helpful. We had experimented with talking about different topics, but. I found that there was so much um, learning and practical learning that revealed itself in cases and there have been some fascinating cases but that's how I choose to spend my one hour of face-to-face teaching. I think certainly um, my supervisors, the way they have been um, so helpful to me and really helped to develop my skills is through three ways and this is more on a sort of corridor conversations level the first is that um, they have so much insight having both worked in the area for 20 years about processes so whether it be how do I refer this patient with a mouth lesion to be a specialist they they know the process or how would I refer this child to audiology they know the process so that's been indispensable also as in any supervising 
role. They have been so helpful with thinking about expanding a differential list and thinking about red flags. So um, every time I bring them a presentation, I can see them challenging me and um, trying to get me to expand to make sure I haven't missed any serious cause for the complaint. And that's really reassuring knowing that there's someone more senior to fall back on in that regard. Um, I, I don't feel like so far that anything serious has been missed. That said, another resource which is helpful in expanding the differential list and making sure things haven't been missed, of course, how could I have not mentioned it so far as Health Pathways, which begins each, each page with do not miss these things. So that's also been very helpful. And the la in the third way in which they've um, really made these corridor conversations really helpful has been in a debriefing role. Uh, there's been, you know, some interesting situations in terms of conflict with patients or patients being upset. That has been very useful to, to talk through with the supervisor and um, a situation, for example, would be um, this elderly man who um, English was his second language, but even with um, an interpreter was saying to me that he needed antibiotics and he wasn't leaving the room without them. And I chose not to prescribe because I didn't think it was indicated and he became really distressed. And it wasn't until my supervisor came into the room and said, this is a cultural issue. His wife has said that he can't come home unless he has the antibiotics that I realised that maybe um, maybe I could have taken a different approach and my supervisor was very helpful talking about delayed scripts and how often they're not filled and um, that there are different ways that you can circumvent conflict in, in the practice. Um, so that's been very helpful as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, look, I'm just curious, can you take yourself back to at the start of the year when you were approaching this, this term? Um, and looking back now, looking over that period, has anything surprised you? Anything sort of unexpected occurred in terms of how your, you know, how GP training has treated you, or vice versa? That's a really good question. In terms of surprises, I think it would be. I mean, it sounds um, cliche given general practice is called general practice, but the diversity and range in presentations is huge. And to see both my supervisors be able to give a um, sort of structured answer to anything I bring to them is very impressive in terms of their wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, but even to see where where the gaps are, and there still are gaps because not anyone, everyone can know everything, but even where there are gaps, they have um, helped me to think about what is what is a... Um, reasonable and safe initial management plan and what the next steps might be. And I never had an appreciation of that before starting my training. I know there's a lot more training left to do, but that's been the main surprise, yeah. the generalness of general practice. It reminds me, there's a, a, a quote of someone much more intelligent than I am, but they um, describe general practice as knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. So you, you, know, you can still manage, have a plan, even if it's not clear exactly what the plan may look like uh, in terms of formality. So, Well, let's wrap up with just one more thing, if I can. Um, have you got, look, given that a number of our supervisors are relatively new in the supervising career practice, um, 
are there any tips that you want to share from your experience that, you know, what, what have you found that could be helpful for a supervisor taking on this role um, from, from your experience as a registrar? I think the most helpful part of my um, interactions with my supervisors or the way that they treat me is both of them really reinforcing an open door policy. There's been very few times when I've gone to them for help where they haven't been able to give me advice straight away. And I think um, reaching, I think having that conversation early about how you want to be contacted and in what way, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a knock on the door, whether it's saving all your questions for the end of the day or for the teaching session um, is very important in terms of placing the registrar at ease um, so they know how best to, to contact you, but also reinforcing that um, that you're contactable anytime if there's an emergency or, or there's um, a problem that needs an answer straight away is yep. very reassuring from the other end and I hope from a supervisor perspective that it's helpful knowing that the registrar is going to knock or call when there's a problem rather than keep quiet and things turn into a bigger problem down the track. Yeah, we certainly um, try and uh, inform our, our new supervisors that the the silent registrar is the one you've got to worry about because they're not asking questions. So uh, well done for probably asking what you may feel like too many questions from your end, but certainly will be a very appropriate amount of questions for a registrar starting out in general practice. So Lucy, thank you very much for sharing your experience. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you. Me too. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get on to our third and final interview, I'd like to just point out a couple of things just for some of our um, assessments for our uh, registrars. So for those that have got a TT1, uh, the initial assessment is fairly unchanged. Uh, for those that have got a TT2, the further assessment, um, there's two specific components that I wish to just outline for you. There's a self-reflection tool and the practice feedback tool. Um, and these are going to be set up on MEL um, and there will need to be uh, individual logins uh, to access those and the registrar will then have an opportunity and, and actually responsible for making a time with either the practice manager or yourselves as supervisors to discuss this self-reflective tool and the collated practice feedback tool report um, before completing a validation on the MEL platform as well. Um, of course, as usual, the training advisor will then close the loop with the registrar um, and we'll providing a lot of this information both in video and email format. So look out for that information regarding the further assessment and that's for our TT two uh, registrars. And the other thing I'd like to point out is for the TT3 registrars, those in their third terms, um, one of the really essential parts of that, um, because the TT3 assessment has less components, is that supervisor report. And so I just want to remind you, if you've got a TT3 registrar, to ensure that you do your supervisor report in a timely manner to make sure that your processes and the registrar's processes and the training program overall runs as smoothly as possible. Just a couple of little reminders. So let's get stuck into our third and final interview. My name's Shay Wilcox. Um, I'm a supervisor uh, in Brunswick East um, at Inner North Medical Clinic. We've had two registrars now uh, for the first term of um, our supervisory kind of experience. And uh, yeah, that's me. The two supervisors we have, one is a GPT-1 or a, um, a TT-1 and a TT-3 on the cusp of four now, so we've got a junior and a, and a sort of more advanced um, registrar, and yeah, we've been really pleased with how it's been. The process has been very easy, um, very impressed with the registrars, and uh, it's been working really well.
So what were your expectations before you before you took on the supervising role of being a supervisor? What were you expecting? Uh, it to I be mean, like? we've, we've, we were, it was very, we didn't know. We were very uncertain if it was going to be a lot of work over normal clinical roles or if it was going to be, um, you know, a reasonably easy process. Um, and I think, well, at least with our first two registrars, we've been really impressed. Um, the work has not uh, been overwhelming at all. The registrars have been really impressive in um, their knowledge and their patient uh, interactions and as well as their um, their willingness to come and, and seek advice and get some support when needed, um, It's which makes my role, um, you know, my confidence in, in what's going on um, higher. Um, so, yeah, it's been really great. Um, and we, you know, we've all been registrars. We know that um, there are times when the registrar will, will feel like they are um, knocking on the supervisor's door a lot. And so those times certainly happen, but it hasn't really been too much of a taxing process at all and enjoyable from the educational side of it keeps us um, really engaged with uh, maintaining our college base and you know that ongoing learning from the supervisor's point of view in terms of the teaching side of things have you found any particular resources or tools that have helped you uh, get started so there is, yes the um there is very good resources through the m c um you know, educational um support side of it so on swan there are uh, particularly with the early registrar or tp1 uh, there are prescribed teaching topics each week which is very helpful um, <clears throat> with case notes and discussion points and we certainly leaned on those uh, with that registrar uh, with the more advanced registrar we do a lot of case-based learning as well as um, sort of you know uh, clinical cases that they come across um as well as more um you know searching for the current literature on things and using those more practical um resources like therapeutic guidelines up to date um which are really great when you get down to the level that you need to look at the scientific literature because um yeah you feel like you're really up to date with what's going on but the MCCC resources have been really helpful. How did you find out about those resources? Uh, good question. I think I may have just been lurking around or exploring the MCCC website, although thinking back, um, I may have been emailed, so I'm not going to give you a good answer on that one. I can't recall how I got onto that pathway, but it is something that's on the website. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's all right. Um, just curious how, how, how you may have found it. Um, so, look, one of the things I suppose uh, looking at my career is that there's periods where there's transitions and you take on new roles and there's often a bit of, well, at least for me, a bit of anxiety um, uh, and apprehension about what it's going to be like. Um, and I suspect uh, for many others going into the supervising role, there's um, you know, a bit of apprehension. You mentioned already about the workload and how it wasn't as onerous as you may have thought it was. Do you feel there's other areas that if we were, if 
a new supervisor or prospective supervisor was listening to this podcast, any sort of suggestions or tips uh, from your experience of making that transition into being a supervisor? We were very wary of overloading our calendar. And so we had a very gradual onset, uh, which I think is as recommended with the, the TT1s, um, to only be seeing sort of minimal patients per hour after sitting in for a week. Um, well, that's that's the approach we took. Basically, the uh, TT1 sat in with the um, – we have two supervisors here, so they sat in with either supervisor each day for a week or so and then saw one patient in the afternoon for those few days and then gradually stepped it up, um, seeing two patients an hour kind of thing. Um, it was a very gradual onset um, of patient contact uh, and that was more through our experience of being registrars, I think. Um, we've certainly heard other stories about registrars being overloaded and I think that's counterintuitive to maintaining a, a, flow, a patient flow and a, an uncomplicated entry. Um, so we may have gone a bit too um, slow on the patient sort of introduction, but it worked really well. Everybody got comfortable um, and now they are seeing many patients a day and um, I don't think we've got the teething issues that may have happened if we'd um, ramped up the patient contact too early. So I think that was a good intro for the registrar and the supervisor. And look, looking at your own induction into supervising, um, are there, if you were to turn back time, is there anything you'd change about how you either you approached it yourself or also, I suppose, the accreditation and training? Is are there improvements that can be made uh, that you can think of? I would recommend um, setting out a teaching, uh, scheduling in a, a non-negotiable teaching period each week uh, with the registrar because it often, um, although teaching gets done on the fly a lot, um, sometimes the practice manager would see that teaching time as maybe they could squeeze a really urgent patient in there um, and that was uh, occasionally meant that we had to find other times for the teaching in the week. Mm. The teaching load for the TT1 registrar is not... Um, it's it's a, an hour and a half a week, so it's quite a, a decent time to find uh, unless you um, sort of have a non-negotiable period uh, a few times a week, which we realised after a few weeks of um, the teaching time <clears throat> getting sort of hijacked. Another question, you're obviously working as part of a team. How do you allocate the, the various roles or tasks between the, those of you who are working in the practice? As supervisors, everybody's very, uh, very keen to be involved, and that may be because it is uh, a new kind of exciting thing that we're doing. Um, there is no shortage of people trying to impart their wisdom on a registrar, I would say. And so, um, we split up the tutorials between the supervisors. Um, and there's the two supervisors uh, have one day a week uh, each that they're not in clinic. The other supervisor picks up that day. Um, the registrars have uh, have fallen into a pattern of um, of 
well, not a pattern. You know, it's it's on the schedule. It's obvious who's here and who isn't. Um, although, you know, they're very welcome to approach either supervisor. Um, we have made myself the primary supervisor, so they sort of come to me first, and then if I'm not around, they go to the secondary supervisor. Mm-hmm. Broadly, any reflections on your experience as a supervisor that you haven't covered yet? Anything else that uh, you'd like to impart in terms of either you know things you've learnt or or, um, or any tips for anyone else? I think it's very important to follow uh, the learning um, the sort of learning planner as recommended for the early stage registrars. Uh, I've been so impressed with the registrars that we have had placed with us uh, that I have um, sometimes maybe um, falsely uh, credited them with more, like with not requiring as much you know, formal learning around certain topics that has only been um, really sort of um, illuminated when we go through the formal learning plan. Um, the registrars are so good that it can sometimes be easy to, um, yeah, overlook that they are still in that learning um, acquisition phase in some, you know, regard as we all are. But, yeah, the, the learning plan has been really good for the um, for the first um, registrar. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a tool that helps you prompt certain areas that you may have otherwise overlooked. Absolutely. And it tells me what I should talk about. <laughs> which takes um, stress out of preparing for a tutorial. Okay. Well, thanks, Shay, for um, giving us your insights. And uh, I look forward to, um, to catching up face-to-face at some stage as well. Cool. Thanks, Paul. If you are finding this episode of use, please subscribe to the MCCC GP Training Supercast via iTunes, etc. We value your input and ideas via the usual communication channels or via my email, paul.grinzy at mccc.com.au. Now, thank you for listening to Supercast, MCCC GP Training's podcast dedicated to our GP supervisors. Until next episode from Supercast, happy supervising. Supercast.